He's not looking for trouble, he's wearing it. We are the SpyFi Guys, and this is The Tuxedo. Hello and welcome back to The SpyFi Guys, where we cover spy fact, spy fiction, and everything in between. I'm Zach. And I'm Christian. And this week, after Operation Finale, a very serious movie about serious subjects, we have a light comedy. <laughs> yeah, I would call it that. Now, this is, of course, Jackie Chan's The Tuxedo. Now, I've seen this before. I think I saw this when it came out in theaters. Uh, Zach, when did you... Have you seen this or were you, you were aware of it? Oh, sure. Of course, I was aware of it because I quite enjoy Jackie Chan movies. Mm -hmm. I would say I'm a fan of his. I haven't seen as many as I would like. I have heard of this movie, but I had never seen it before this week. And also a quick story. I was telling our friend Jay, who longtime listeners may know from the Mission Impossible series, that we were covering this. And he said his favorite internet team. Are right, you going to talk about this later? I was going to talk a little bit about this. Uh, but go ahead, you know, go ahead, go ahead. Okay, so he told me that they bid on an auction to buy the tuxedo, the prop from the movie, or I guess the mm -hmm. costume slash prop from the movie, yeah. and they bought it only because nobody else wanted it. <laughs> Which I was surprised because even if the movie isn't particularly well regarded, Jackie Chan is, so you'd think anything from him. People would, would want it, I guess you not. Would think, yeah. We'll talk about this a little, talk a little bit more about that. But shall we, uh, do you want to just get right into the movie? Yeah, one quick thing. I knew, obviously, Jackie Chan was in it, but I did not know Jennifer Love Hewitt was his co-star. Yes, yeah. I haven't seen many movies with her, so that was nice. I don't know that I have either, actually. The, the only one that I could, other one I could think of was Heartbreaker, right around the same time. Yeah, I, I've never heard of that. I know she was in the I Know What You Did Last Summer, which I don't watch. Right, no. I don't watch horror movies. And then she was in that show where she's like a psychic. I never watched that. Uh, the Horse Whisperer, if I recall. The Horse Ghost Whisperer? Whisperer? Ghost Whisperer. <laughs> well, not Horse Whisperer, yeah. Ghost Whisperer. There you go. Okay, so anyway, but yeah, the Tuxedo. Let's get started with that. So here's the IMDb plot summary. It's from 2002. A hapless chauffeur must take a comatose secret agent's place using his special gadget-laden tuxedo. All right. Sounds That's good. So we start with a bunch of nature. There's waterfalls. It's beautiful. There's a deer crossing a stream and then promptly pees in it. Yeah, this was quite the contrast <laughs> considering the vast majority of the movie takes place in cities. Yeah, but I like this. So it's, you know, you think it's just going to be all peaceful nature and all, you know, and then... Yeah, you start off with a deer peeing in in the, in the lake, and then you see that same water that the deer started peeing into going through a montage of thankfully getting filtered, uh, going through various areas and getting bottled, where we finally get to a you know water bottle factory. Okay, so my note for the deer peeing is, uh-oh. It's the first 15 <laughs> seconds of the movie, and there's already a lowbrow joke. Uh -oh. What does that mean? I don't think it means anything good. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so one of the workers in the water bottle factory is making a call. We find out this is Agent Wallace of the Central Security Agency. Yeah, another one of those. CIA. This is another one of those movies. <laughs> and he says, I need Devlin now. And, you know, everything's about to break wide open. And as he's on the phone and put on hold by the CIA, uh, I keep wanting to say CIA, CSA. Mm -hmm. Someone puts a bag over his head and fills that bag with liquid, and he seemingly drowns. 
Yeah, that was pretty wild. This, of course, reminds me about the last time of Triple X. The guy getting killed in the beginning of that. Interesting. All right. I mean, yeah, but a guy getting killed in like a pre-credit scene of a of a spy movie is nothing new. It's total cliche, but that's the one that it, it jumped to mind. Yeah. So we start and we finally meet Jimmy Tong, played by Jackie Chan, who's you know outside of an art gallery, staring at this uh, worker inside inside the gallery who he has a crush on, and his coworker is telling him to just go ahead and ask her out already. Jimmy is wearing a Hooters shirt. Oh, yeah. I was wondering if you were going to notice that. What's up with that? I don't know. It was just a thing. So I'm hoping it was product placement, but between the Hooters shirt and then there's a part where it seems like he's having some kind of wet dream. I I have a note wet dream. No. Okay. The note... So so he's trying to figure out how, how to approach her, what to say, and He's he comes up with something and says, you know, I I dreamed of you before we met, and his coworker says, oh, that's the line, and then he tries to remember what he said. He said, when I think of you, I had what dream? Is that what I said? I said, no, no, that wasn't it. So that was why you have that note of wet dream. (laughs) Yeah. So I was like, is he? Are we supposed to think he's some kind of like sleaze bag? Because I I don't think so. The Hooter shirt is such a strange choice. Okay, but it, I'm hoping it's just product placement. I, that and I think it it comes back in the end. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, so we he tries to approach her, gets nervous. We meet the art gallery owner, who's played by Colin Markery from uh, Whose Line Is It Anyways? Yeah, that was great. <laughs> so before he, before he asks her out, Jimmy leaves. In he's in the cab waiting for his coworker to get a hot dog. I think. Mm-hmm. And he's reading the dummy's guide to dating. Hey, you do what you gotta do. So he sees the girl cross the street, and he's about to open the door to approach her, but when he opens that door, he hits a bike messenger, and the bike messenger is this big, burly guy, which yeah, you would be a bonus a bike messenger. <laughs> well, yeah, I suppose. Well, it's in New York, okay? People in New York are tough. Even the bike messengers. <laughs> All right, so he gets in a fight with him, but it's more of avoidance than actually fighting. But there's some, yeah. a little bit of classic Jackie Chan choreo where he like jumps over a car and all stuff, which is like, all right, it's a good start. Yeah, I like it because it shows that Jimmy is not tough, but he know he's scrappy and he like knows how to survive uh-huh. wild situations. I also quite liked his coworker. I was hoping his coworker would be in the rest of the movie, but he's not. He's not. No, that's the last you see of him. I think. Yeah, when he, when he tells off the bike messenger. <clears throat> yeah. So Jimmy gets back in the car uh, only to find that there's a passenger there. And she asks to be taken to 70 Fleming Street. And, of course, this being a spy movie, Fleming, you say. Oh, okay. I was wondering why you felt the need to mention that. Because <laughs> it's definitely a reference to Ian Fleming. Oh, okay. I, I didn't look up to see there if there was a Fleming Street in New York or if there's actual Fleming Street, but I just assumed it's just a reference. So this is right. Stina. And apparently Jimmy has had his license suspended seven times, but you know he is a, a very fast driver. So Stina offers Jimmy double the meter price if he can get her to her destination before she finishes her makeup. 
Yeah, so it's like Crazy Taxi, the game. Yeah, yeah. I, I love that game. That was a fun game. <laughs> it also reminded me, so I don't watch anime, though I do watch Miyazaki movies, but there's okay. this anime called Initial D. Did you ever watch I've heard that? of it, yeah. So the premise is a pizza delivery guy joins a professional car racing team. And is that so, the premise? That's the premise, yeah. I had no he idea. Pizza delivery, some kind of food delivery. And because okay. he's so good at getting his food places quickly, he's really good at racing. I know it mostly because I believe there is also like uh, arcade games based on the on the anime. Well, yeah, I sure. played some of those. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, oh, okay. So do these spies want Jimmy to be his their wheel man? Want yeah. him to drive in like crazy situations? Yeah. So he takes a bunch of shortcuts. He tails a fire truck at one point. Almost gets stuck in traffic, but then starts driving backwards. Flip does the classic, you know, driving backwards and then flip it 180 degrees and keep driving, which that is one of my favorite car moves. I, <laughs> um, I don't know. Were you with me when I went to the DC Auto Show when we rode in the electronic vehicles? Not that time. Okay. I was there when we did the Jeep one that went up and over oh, those yeah. crazy mountains. Well, I think before the pandemic at the DC Auto Show, they had like these like really fast sort of uh, electric vehicles where we're driving around a stunt track and they did that move. And I was so happy because I like, you know, I've seen that a million times in movies and I was like, that's such a cool move. And feeling the force of, you know, when they do that and flip you around so much fun. That's great. Yeah, that sounds like fun. He, you know, flips it around, is driving and gets her to the destination, 70 Fleming Street, before she's done with the makeup, and, like, parks between t- these two columns on the, on the sidewalk, seemingly. hmm Yeah. And because she he does get her there in time, she offers him a job, driving Clark Devlin. Yeah, that should have been the alternative name of the movie. Driving Clark Devlin? Yeah. <laughs> there you go. So he takes the job, shows up. This house so this clark devlin's house this is filmed in canada so it is anytime there's a fancy building in in canada especially specifically toronto they film it at casa loma now you've seen casa loma many a time because you've seen it you saw it in titans where it played wayne manor because yeah, oh, i know okay. you had to watch titans you were forced to endure that it's or also been that gaming the other podcast yes and then would it also be in scott pilgrim then i take yes, that that's, that is the one from scott pilgrim it's also the x mansion or in some of the x-men films but yeah mm. lovely house lovely mansion been there yeah. but i just had to point it out um because you know i because it's a fun fun location anyway so he gets a copy of the house rules rule number one is never talk talk directly to mr devlin and Stina also tells him to shave his soul patch. So, yeah, initially the rules come off as sinister because... Oh, did you read the rest of them? I, I did not read the rest of okay, them, but I just really that. quickly. Usually in movies, if a character says, don't talk directly to me, they're like an asshole. <laughs> or, or a bad guy. Seemingly because of security. Yeah, well, if they're concerned about security, I don't know why they would hire just some rando... They vetted him. They clearly knew him. Like, Cena was, when she's in the back seat or before she starts the car, you see her pulling up, like, a file on him. So, Uh he's been vetted in some way. By the way, something I do like about this movie, and they mention it later, is that Jimmy is Chinese and he is an immigrant. I think they Mm -hmm. mention that. He's like, I love this country. Which, I like that more than just having Jackie Chan have his accent and just nobody react to it. Mm -hmm. Like, just pretend it isn't there. So next we go over to CSA headquarters and we meet De- Deputy Director Chalmers. 
they're doing an autopsy of Agent Wallace, the one, uh, the agent who was killed in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, and apparently they found him in a bathtub, so they assumed that he drowned in his own bathtub. <laughs> yeah, classic. And the guy from Alias is here, too, the Which bad one? guy. I don't know, like the, little, the little Weasley guy. Is that Chalmers? Yeah, I think so. Oh, I never connected that. Oh, yeah, yeah, I think you're right. He's very distinctive looking. <laughs> yeah, no, he, he, I was like, he does look familiar from something, but I can't place it. No. So this is where we meet Agent Del Blaine, who no one ever says just Del or just, just Blaine. Del. It's always Del Blaine. Yeah, <laughs> or, at the end she says Delilah, but yeah. that's it. But yeah, so who she's a tech person who thinks that he actually died of dehydration, not of drowning. Um, she rattles off some stuff about why she thinks that, and then also says that the profile of the water that was in his lung, or not in his lungs, in his stomach. Well, I guess it would be in his lungs if he drowned. I don't know. Yeah, Um, Is high-end bottled water, specifically from the, you know, banning bottled water. Wow. We're talking about the perfect crime. I can't believe she cracked the code. Yeah. So Chalmers offers her a job in the field, working with Clark Devlin. Mm. And we get a little bit of her personality here, which is to say we're told it, not uh-huh. shown it. And we're told that she's kind of... A know-it-all? Yeah, and kind of arrogant, but she also can back it up, which is mm-hmm. a very classic trope. <laughs> it's yep. my movies, as well as other regular movies. Oh, yeah, so before he starts driving Mr. Devlin, Jimmy, you know, shaves off his soul patch, and he sees all the driver uniforms that he in his closet... He doesn't know how to tie a tie, so he just sort of like tucks it, like ties it around and tucks it in. Mm-hmm. And Mr. Devlin enters his car. And Devlin is played by Jason Isaacs. Jason Isaacs, thank you. Like in my notes I have it's Captain Lorca. Yeah, well for once Jason Isaacs is not the bad guy. I was waiting the whole movie for him to be the <laughs> surprise bad guy, and he never is. No. I mean he's still Jason Isaacs, so he's still snarky. And he comes off as a little bit sinister, yeah. Yeah. Devlin's on a car phone talking to a spy boss. He tells him, you have to find Wallace. And then he talks to Jimmy and Jimmy asks Jimmy if he got a copy of the rules. He said, yes. He's like, well, I hate the rules. So we're ignoring the rules. I'm, I was confused by this. If he didn't come up with the rules, who did? Probably the spy agency. Okay. <laughs> I guess it's part of his cover is the idea. Yeah. His, his cover is as this rich dick. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Devlin is in a fancy taxidermy shop, seemingly. Right. I, I mean, like, I, I'm, I'm sure there's a better word for it, but it's like, yeah, it's a classy-looking shop, and there's all these taxidermy things. And he's chatting up the uh, shop girl with Jimmy watching. Yeah, he's got a game. Yeah, Jimmy asks him, like, how do you do it? I, I, how do you learn to be so smooth? Devlin tells him he just needs confidence. So they drive home. Devlin has invited the shop girl to a... a some sort of uh, auction at or something at his gala at his house. And then while they're in the car, Devlin calls Tina and tells her to get Jimmy a proper suit. He's in a tuxedo dancing on the patio with the shop girl. He does, does some uh, very fancy dance moves that defy physics. Yeah, he's like a superhero. I also have a note at some point that he knows about Jennifer from the art gallery. Oh, yes. a little bit creepy. But not really, because it's not like Jimmy hides his intentions. No, he specifically, or Jimmy asks, how do you know about her? And he says, because every time we leave the house, you drive by the gallery and drive slower. 
<laughs> yeah, so it's quite obvious. Yeah, so the tuxedo. Well, actually, you don't know that it's derived but, from the tuxedo. Yeah, moves all we know is that he's somehow defying physics. He, like a waiter drops a tray, he manages to do this back bending move that allows him to catch all of the things on the tray. Just like Tobey Maguire and Spider Man a year yeah. earlier. <laughs> so, Jamie is putting away Devlin's dry cleaning and sees the tuxedo in a fancy glass case which has like you know a finger seem probably fingerprint security or some sort of security code mm-hmm. and he's like you know looking at himself in the mirror pretending he's wearing the tuxedo and Devlin catches him and says there is just one rule never touch my tuxedo uh-huh. <laughs> and says let's go you know get the car let's get some dinner my treat yep and here we get more product placement which was never a great sign <laughs> eh it was fine to me I mean so so Devlin is in the back seat and he's sketching this bug as they're driving. They pull into a Burger King. He orders two Whoppers with very specific, you know, needs for each of them, like only the bottom bun toasted and I forget right. what else. It's very quickly given to them. Devlin asks, all right, can I also get a personal pan pizza? And Jimmy's confused by this, like, um, they don't have that here. So take the girl just, you know, gives him a pizza box, which is clearly not from, from Burger King. <laughs> And it just so happens there's a secret message inside of it. Yeah, but there's also these guys who are after them now. Yeah, so there's these two skateboarders who are distracting them as they're pulling out of the drive-through. Jimmy hits one of them, not very hard, but the, and while that they're t- dealing with that, the other one plants a tracker on the car and sends a skateboard after them. Yeah, so there were some fun effects of the skateboard going on its own. Nice spy gadget. Jimmy notices in the back. He, back uh, rearview mirror and asks why are we running away from a skateboard oh it's pr- probably a bomb a bomb you said so they pull some fancy maneuvers end up going down an alley and get stuck at a dead end and they get out of the car and devlin pushes jimmy out of the way at just as the what car explodes and it's a really good explosion too it's enormous yeah and jimmy is okay but devlin is wounded with a head injury and so as he's, you know, coming in and out of consciousness, he says, he tells him, Walter Strider, and also no police. So since he doesn't call for police, Jimmy calls for an ambulance, and he's like about to say his name is, and he shows Jimmy his ID, which magically changes. Yeah, that was cool. Clark, Clark Devlin to a different name. I forget what the other name was. Mm. Gives Jimmy his watch and says, Wear it. I can't decide whether I thought wear it was funny or cool or what. I was fine. I I, I, I don't know. I didn't. I I thought it was just okay. Cool. You know, sure. I I didn't have a strong reaction to that. So he gets brought to the hospital, and he keeps saying Walter Strider. Right. So he remembers it probably. Told that Devlin's going to be there for a while, or not Devlin because he's got Mm -hmm. a different name now. He tries to open up the message that was in the pizza box, but it explodes. <laughs> so, so many things keep exploding. It's like Batman. <laughs> Which you would think that that would be time to explode after you open it. Like, or, you know, five seconds of self-destruct, not immediately. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Well, they probably were, maybe there was some way to sense that it wasn't him. It wasn't yeah, Clark Devlin. That's probably, that's probably true. So the nurse also gives Jimmy the drawing of the bug that was clutched in Devlin's hand. And he doesn't make the connection between Water Strider and Walter Strider. Yeah. Nope. Now, did you get that? 
Yeah, but it's it's okay. I mean, like, I wouldn't expect him to be able to identify a water shredder just by looking at it. But we have all that knowledge of the bad guys' plot from being, about being able to, you know, being able to eavesdrop on their conversations, which is what we're about to do in another scene. So it's a little bit unfair. Okay. But when you first heard the name Walter Strider, did you already connect it to a water strider? Ah, uh, well, I don't know. Maybe. Probably. So that's a no. I, I guess not. Like not at the moment I was watching it. I suppose. Okay, not. that's that. So that's what I was trying to ask. Yeah, uh, especially because I was primed because Jimmy says it. Walter Strider or Walter, not Water. Exactly. So. Okay. Yeah. All right. So that that's 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 what I want to make sure because. So. Uh-huh. Anyways, so like you said, we're gonna go eavesdrop on the villains right now at Banning Incorporated's floating headquarters, which is a boat. Yeah, like a shipping container yeah. type boat, which was good and wasn't stuck in the Suez Canal. <laughs> Not quite topical reference. Yeah. No. Nope. <laughs> Anyways, so uh, one of the other uh, Banning employees is brought before Mr. Banning. There's also a mad scientist there whose name I don't remember. Yeah, who cares? Some guy. But And the scientist is asking, why did you choose this guy to be your, your test subject? And he's like, well, because he told me I didn't like how he's you know, d- disagree with my numbers. Also, I just don't like his hair. So I gotta say, I think this bad guy may be the worst villain in any movie that we've covered. <laughs> he's so very, boring. Yeah, he's nothing special. Just an, another British bad guy. Yeah, and his plan is so stupid. And I, I don't know. I like. Well, okay. Well, let's get to his plan. We'll let's talk about his plan when we get there. Okay, fine. I will save yeah. my comment for that. Yeah. But suffice to say that he is using this guy as a test subject. He gives him some water, and the guy immediately starts sweating. He's drinking more, and he's feeling more thirsty. We find out that this is water that makes you the more thirsty as you drink it. There's a bacteria mm-hmm. that floods your bloodstream with electrolytes, but it works too fast, and it makes him <laughs> extremely dry and basically you know, mummified. Yeah, it's an Indiana Jones-type death. It also, again, reminds me of Adam West Batman when they turn the guys into little piles of dust <laughs> with a dehydrator. Yeah. So Jimmy is looking in Devlin's address book for Walter Strider. I like this. Did you catch the other names here? I did not. Schiffer, Claudia Schiffer. Schwarzkopf, uh-huh. I didn't recognize. Sondheim, Springsteen. So Schwarzkopf, isn't that Norman Schwarzkopf, who was a general maybe in the early 2000s? Maybe I don't know. Let's take a look. Let's just Google Schwarzkopf. Yeah. Uh, it is a hair dye company. That's what I'm getting. Uh, yeah, I don't maybe know. the one I'm thinking of is spelled slightly differently. Okay. Anyway, so but Sondheim, Springsteen, as in Bruce Springsteen, Stephanopoulos, mm-hmm. George Stephanopoulos, Steinbrenner. I didn't look up who that oh, is. George Steinbrenner, the owner of the Yankees. I know oh. that because of Seinfeld. So the point is, he knows a lot of people. <laughs> also, Sting, one, just one name, no, no uh-huh. last name, or no first name. He can't find Walter Strider in the address book, so he's putting away the address book in the case and looks over to see the tuxedo. And he's still carrying the watch, and the watch mm-hmm. opens up the case. Yeah, and he did say wear it, so it's all good. So he puts on the tuxedo, and once he does, this effect comes over it, and it becomes a perfect fit. And there are these tiny lasers on the inside of the tuxedo that stimulate the right muscles for him to tie a bow tie. <laughs> yeah, remind me of the credits, the original X Men movie. <laughs> the graphics. 
Oh, yeah, definitely. And then you see in the inside, you know, where there's usually a tag for, you know, who the brand is, what the size is. It instead says the Tactical Uniform Experiment or Tux. Uh-huh. <laughs> and the watch offers him a bunch of different, uh, you know, options. And so he's like, all right, let me try demo mode. But he accidentally hits demolition mode, which destroys yeah. the in- Devlin's entire apartment. And he has... A lot of antique weapons there. This is all, like, a lot of good... Jackie Chan, like, jumping around. Yeah. Flipping around. Good job of, you know, doing that stuff, but also making it seem like his body is resisting it as well. Right. Though I gotta say, the CSA needs to get a user experience designer somewhere on staff. (laughs) Because having a watch in alphabetical order to figure Uh out what you want to do... That's just, like, terrible. Like, I know this is a dumb comedy, and I really shouldn't think too much about it, but what if it was, like, breathing underwater, so you're, you're, like, fall underwater, you have to, like, go through the watch, like, flip, 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 until you find the thing you need. Or you hit the wrong thing, which is exactly what happens in this part. Mm -hmm. Also, the other thing here is anti-gravity, like, anti-gravity mode. That that one is the one where I was like, no, that's too far. (laughs) That's that's too far for you? Why is it too far for you? I mean, okay, the other stuff you can explain with, like, you know, all right, you know, the muscle, you know, muscles. How do you activate anti-gravity? There's anti-gravity technology in it, obviously. No, no, no. That was, that one was too far for me. Well, how else do you explain him being able to do this thing with the, uh, catching the, the, the stuff at the banquet? I would say that's stimulating the right muscles for him to move, and then also the suit is augmenting him like an Iron Man suit is what I said. Like an exoskeleton? Alright, fine. Yeah. <laughs> There's no you know, jetpack boots or, or jet boots or anything else that you see. It just literally says, alright, we're turning off gravity for you. No. <laughs> that was the bridge too far for me. Okay, well that's too bad because we're not that far into the movie. <laughs> I mean, as long as he doesn't use it again, I'm okay with it. He tells the staff who seemingly have not noticed that Devlin has not you know, come back that, uh, you know, Devlin had a party and uh, he wants you to clean his room, what, you know, once he's gone. Yeah, we never find out what happens with that. Yeah. Uh, we also see some other things Zuxedo did really quickly. I just wanted yeah. to. One of them one is Shake Booty. Oh, yes. Where he dances to Disco Inferno by the Tramps. That reminds me of an era, the early 2000s, when people would call each other homie unironically. <laughs> So his phone rings, or Devlin's phone rings, and he answers it, and it's Del Blaine who's telling him that Banning is holding a meeting with the water CEOs, and the agency wants him to find out what's happening. So meet tomorrow at this park, and they have, you know, I usually love a good, you know, back and forth code phrase. This was stupid. Yeah, you mean the nice rack one? It was also sexist, more to the problem. Yeah, this is this movie has a problem with this late '90s, early 2000s sexism. That was just it was I don't know. It, it, just, it bothered me. They t- they do try to call it out, but they also indulge in it a lot. That being said, it is sexist, but the joke that it sets up of him saying it to a random one on bench is kind of funny. All right, yeah, that is funny. Yeah, so he, Jimmy goes to the meet. He approaches someone who is wearing a gray suit, which is what Del Blaine said she'd be wearing. And gives a code phrase, then gets slapped. Right. And almost arrested. Yeah. Which I wasn't aware that you could get arrested for that in the early 2000s, but I guess so. Maybe the police will just tell him, like, get out of here. That's what happened. And if you actually watch, look back at it. When she slaps him, 
the suit goes into self-defense mode. And that's oh. why he was going to get arrested. Oh, because he started hitting her back or something? Probably. Or, like, oh. flipped around or something. Oh, okay. Maybe it was a cut cut clip or whatever. Yeah. And it's right after that, Delblin calls him and tells him the meet is off and forget the password. We're going to meet at the silo instead. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So in this part, yeah. Jimmy pretends to be Devlin. And yes. I do not understand why he did that. Because Devlin uh, didn't say, hold on, Devlin didn't say, pretend to be me. He said, true. wear it and find Walter Strider. Like, maybe if there was some kind of reason why he needed to pretend to be Devlin, then I would have had less of an issue with this. Because they probably would not have listened to him otherwise. Well, then I'm also confused about that, because Del, yeah. which is what I'm going to call her, I'm, I'm okay. It reveals ahead. later that she knew the entire time that he was not. Did she, though? Well, we'll get to that when we get to it. Let's wait for it. Yeah, put it this way, Christian. Either she's not as smart as we've been told that she is because she can't figure it out, or she did figure it out and she's just going along with it for inexplicable reasons. Either way, it doesn't make a lot of sense. No. Jimmy goes to the meet. He drives up in a BMW Z8, which had been previously seen in Tomorrow Never Dies three years earlier. Or not Tomorrow mm -hmm. Never Dies. Uh, the World is Not Enough three years earlier. That was it. Is it The World is Not Enough with... Um, Denise Richards. With Denise Richards, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's what this movie reminds me of. Because you know how on the internet people are like, well, this is the worst casting since Denise Richards was a nuclear scientist. And I always thought that was sexist. Why can't Denise Richards be a nuclear scientist? Well, we have an in-depth conversation about that when we get... When we talk about it? Or it is not enough. Okay. What I will say for now, then, is that Jennifer Love Hewitt as a forensic scientist reminds me of Denise Richards as a nuclear scientist. I don't think so. Okay. But yeah, no, I, I mean, I buy I buy her as a scientist. I don't know. Well, I think it's Mason because she's not dressed in, you know, the Lara Croft Tomb Raider outfit for most of the movie like Denise Richards was as a new Oh, so figure. it's more the direction than the casting choice. Yeah. Well, to some people, I think it's a casting choice, too. But, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. So I like this, though, that Jimmy, you know, when he approaches Del Blaine for the first time, he's like in silhouette and it looks pretty cool. And then, mm -hmm. you know, it's revealed it's Jackie Chan. <laughs> you also find that Jimmy apparently didn't read the file. And this is probably what was in the pizza box. So he didn't read the file because it blew up. But he just says the files are crap. Just give me the fine, you know, give me the broad strokes. Yeah, which was a decent way to cover it. He doesn't know what's going on, yeah, I suppose. I like that, yeah. So apparently Banning is trying to force the water CEOs to sell their companies to to Banning to save them. Mm -hmm. For now. That's, that's the one that's part of their plan they know about. So they go to a sniper perch where Del Blaine has a sniper rifle ready for him. The Kleinholtz nine, or bolt action 9mm. Mm -hmm. But it's easy. He says, I don't kill people anymore. It's like, when you kill anyone, you no, you're just planting a bug. And so he goes into rifle assembly mode, assembles the gun really quickly, and is told to aim for the briefcase, which he does, but then misses and instead hits a guard who goes overboard and no one ever asks about him. Yeah, so that was kind of funny, but I must say my notes here have elements of frustration where I was like, <laughs> is Del like stupid that she can't figure out that he's not Devlin? Whatever. I've already talked about never this. Met, so he does ask, have we ever met before? And she says, no. 
No, but he's like, he, he, he like shows up. He has no idea what's going on. He yeah. can't accomplish basic tasks. And she's done nothing to confirm that he's actually Devlin. Like, she doesn't well, say, like, give me your CSA number or show me your ID or, or anything. Well, usually, in the way to prove that sort of thing, would have been a code phrase or code word. But she hates the given code phrase, so she doesn't use it. So that's partly on her, then. Yeah, like I said, <laughs> she's stupid. Well, some of it you can put down as an experience, but whatever. We can move on. Yeah, I mean, she, yeah, this is also her first time in the field. Let's not forget that. He tries again, and instead of getting it in the briefcase... Gets it in a woman's hair, <laughs> yeah. Which is funny. You see, like, but, but it's like clearly obvious that it's sticking out of her hair, but no one else has noticed it. Well, it is Hollywood. Anyway, so we have a presentation by Banning. He said that in two thousand one, thirty-five billion dollars worth of bottled water was consumed. I wanted to fact check this, but I didn't get around to it. And then he said yeah. that it cost more than gasoline per ba- you know per barrel. I don't think that's true. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's a very Bond villain speech as they're like, you know, eavesdropping on on this, you know, speech. His goons have spotted Jimmy and Del Blaine. The CEOs are told they have to give Banning half of their companies for them, them to survive. It's a biological holocaust. So are we going to talk about the plan now or are we going to talk more about it later? When, we, when it's revealed, which is really not till the very end. So okay, fine. We'll just wait till we get to it. Jimmy gets a noose thrown around his neck. Uh, he has a nice rope fight. Um, Del Blaine, when she's about to fight, like refers to the training manual uh, and is like, you know, tries to punch, block, punch, block, and she and she's saying this as she's doing it, yeah. which is not effective. But then she gets the guy and does like a finger pull, which ow! I <laughs> my la- the last uh, Hapkido class that I went to, we did it was an open mat and we did some finger pulls and that was um, about three months ago my fingers are still sore from that i may have sprained it i don't remember what is a finger pull like well this is great for our visual audience but basically she gets one of his fingers pulls it like that and oh, pulls it to the side side and uses that to pull yeah okay to basically pull his entire body so like i think yeah it, so just moving your finger in that motion Ow, and it's, it's, yeah, now my finger hurts just even thinking about that. She also does a really nice low spinning roundhouse kick, which which I, I like is I, a kick that I always love. Looks great on Hollywood. She does come off as a little bit annoying. She's kind of like, ah, ah, at the beginning of the yeah, fight. Yeah, and then once she, she realizes what's going on, she does try to actually fight, and then she does a few good moves. Yeah, sure. But it is dumb at the beginning of the fight when she doesn't turn around for no reason and can't figure out that Jackie Chan's getting attacked mm-hmm. by thugs. Mm-hmm. I found that to be kind of dumb. I was fine with it. It's, I mean, it is a comedy, so you're going to have to make some allowances, Zach. Yes, you're right. That's fair. Um, but it has a great stunt at the end. Yeah, so Jimmy falls off the building, and as he falls off the building, he accidentally tears off Del Blaine's sleeve and, like, pulls her ring off her finger, but he falls, and as he falls, the tuxedo activates Spider-Man gloves, and he's able to climb up the side of the, the silo. And it doesn't have a UX issue where he needs to activate spider mode on his watch. <laughs> I think it's special modes will you know, activate uh, you need the watch, but other things like just you know simple right. self-preservation will auto- activate automatically. Yeah, that's fine. 
I would hope so. When Devlin, you know, makes his catch with the weirdest trade, you don't see him scrolling through their watch and saying, you know, catch Trey. He just does it. The suit just does it for him. Right. He climbs back up there. Delblin's actually going down the silo now to you know, escape. He makes mm-hmm. shadow puppets tr- to try to get her attention. Yeah, it's very uh, unfunny. Sorry, Jackie. Yeah, that was not... Yeah, it was... Okay. It's not his best work. <laughs> Delblin drives away with the Z8, and Jimmy activates, you know, flash mode to run at super speed to catch up with her. Mm-hmm. And he jumps in the car as it's moving. She's freaked out and upset. He gives her the ring back. Did he ever explain what was the deal with the ring? No, just her ring, you know. What? Ah, come on, that's writing stuff. Set up and pay off. Yes, but if you did that, you'd be like, why why is this here? This is unnecessary. We don't need this. Move along. Right, but if they never explain why it's significant to her, then cut it. I'm... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, it's it's more of a comedic beat than anything else. But that I think it's there for the joke of she's not upset that he fell; she's upset uh-huh. about her ring. Oh, okay, good. Well, yes. Yeah, so we're getting the dynamic. Did you talk about this now? What? So the movie reminds me a lot of Get Smart, right? Yeah, yeah. The, the Steve Carell movie. But once again, they are trying to do the Han Solo, Princess Leia, Indiana Jones, Marion Ravenwood, the bickering. The, moon, right. the moonlighting style of like romance, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't think it works. <laughs> it doesn't work I so well. Don't, see, that's a, and we'll get to this at the end. I don't know if they're trying to set them up as romantic or not. Well, we'll talk about it more at the end. Yeah, yeah. but that—that's what I thought they were going for. Yeah. So around this part, Dell calls the mission a big fat failure. Yep. And I was like, why? They planted the bug. They didn't get caught. The bad guys don't seem to be aware. That they're being spied on. Mm. So what's the problem? Well, they seem to. They no. They would definitely know because they they saw them spying on them and sent goons uh-huh. and goons who are either knocked out or dead. So that would set off some alarm bells. Actually, yeah, I suppose that's a good point. Where any any time you have to like fight or anytime you get detected, you could call that a failure. But then she also says to Jimmy, "You're not so." That's an exact phrase. But, and I was <laughs> yeah. like, well, why? So here's the big question here for me. And this is where it, it seems like she is not aware of the tuxedo's capabilities. Uh, yeah, I think that's probably fair. Oh, yeah, because he falls off the silo and then he, she's like, how are you still alive? Yeah. So that's I think it's that's what she's sort of freaked out by all of that. Okay. And remember that because I will bring it up again. <laughs> That's a, a really interesting thought. I hadn't thought about that watching the movie. Yeah. Anyways, so as she, like, touches his shoulder at the end, this t- suit goes into defensive mode and, like, hits her and spins her a bunch. Mm-hmm. And which, of course, she's like, oh, well, what the hell was that? So, again, this is seeming like she's not aware of the tuxedo's capabilities. Yeah. And she drives away. Mm-hmm. Another UX problem with the tuxedo where a light touch will lead to self-defense mode. Yep. I guess they're still working out a few bugs. Well, it is an experiment. And also, Jimmy's not experienced with using it. That's There's true. There's some user issues, too. So next we go to Del Blaine and Stina at the CSA gun range. The male agents in the booth behind them are being really gross and, like, zooming in the security camera on their butts. Yeah. I was... Uh, why? Why? And if you like that, there's more male gaze right around the corner. Oh, God. <laughs> so, I did quite like the joke where Jennifer, or sorry, Dell is like, well, how about his accent? And she's like, yeah, I love that accent. <laughs> that was a pretty good joke. I, I, yeah, see, I like, their conversation was good. It was uh-huh. the, 
uh, CSA guys behind them, like, you know, ogling them the entire time. And I was like, oh, come on. Does this really need to be here? Yeah, but then I was also confused because one of the guys who's, like, talking smack about Dell behind the screen yeah. was writing love notes to her earlier. So that didn't yeah. make sense. It's an incel situation, you know, because she's rejected <laughs> him. That she's, uh-huh. you know, he, he's, you know, now hates her. And it's, uh, then, you know, it's just, this entire thing was just like, oh, God, why? I, I did enjoy when, like, Stina, you know, does shoot out the crotch of the of the target mm-hmm. on full auto mode. I, have you ever, so, in the Philippines, uh, at the hotel uh, or resort I was staying at, there happened to be a gun range, which was weird, but wow. you were allowed to fire a rifle at full auto for, like, 10 or 15 rounds. So I've done it, and it's uh-huh. ridiculous, the, yeah. you know, the... the what, back. Back on that. So the fact that she was able to do that, impressive. You know what's really shocking about that story was that that wasn't in America. <laughs> uh, well, full auto things are not allowed for civilians, if I recall. Oh, God. <laughs> Jimmy is visiting Devlin in the hospital. He's leaving some balloons. I, I like this gag where, you know, there a bunch um, of them are like, it's a boy, and... Uh, congratulations and happy birthday. And he's like, I'm sorry, they ran out of get well soon balloons. Which in a hospital, they ran out of get well soon balloons. It's so absurd. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I didn't think about that, but I was, I, I did think it was funny, you know? Yeah. And he gets a call from Del Blaine. They're going to inf- infiltrate the Langford hotel where Banning will be entertaining his new partners. And she, he again asks about Walter Strider. She's like, then she just sort of brushes it off, ignores it. Yeah, she probably does that a lot with him. I get the impression. Yeah. So he meets Del Blaine at the hotel. Del Blaine is dressed up so that, you know, they can at least match as a pair together. Since, mm-hmm. you know, he's... Always in a tuxedo. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she gives him a camera lapel flower. So here's the thing. When she's on the phone with him earlier, she says that, you know, Chalmers has, you know, gotten us tickets inside. And yet to get inside he tries to bribe the mater d i know it doesn't make a lot of sense yeah and he, he dr- tries to offer him five dollars and then the total of seven dollars yeah. you know. it's a good joke but it doesn't make good a lot joke, of sense it doesn't make sense because he says we're, we're, yeah maybe they lost the tickets sneak in the back entrance and here's your male gaze where t- instead yeah. of you know bribing the bouncers she basically just lets them look down her shirt down her dress yeah, you know they get into the back, back entrance, and Jimmy sees that it's James Brown, the Godfather yes, the of Soul, who will be performing. So he, you know, goes into his dressing room. They have a very awkward conversation with James Brown. I must oh, say, yeah. not that these celebrity cameos in movies are ever like well acted or uh-huh. well written or anything like that, but this one was especially bad. But the, as a result of this interaction, they're able to get. James Brown says that he'll get them fr- tickets for the front row. And then Jimmy's thanking him. And then he, James Brown pats Jimmy on the back and that activates self, the self-defense mode. And he spins him around and knocks him out. Thankfully not killing him. Oh, no. I did not see that coming. <laughs> yeah. He's trying to, you know, wake him up. But clearly, James Brown is not going to wake up. So he sends Del Blaine to tell the audience that there'll be another act. James Brown's hype man is on stage hyping up James Brown and says, we'll bring out James Brown. And then it's Del Blaine and she's, you know, walking out awkwardly saying, you know, sorry, you know, due to unforeseen circumstances, you know, James Brown will not be performing, but we have 
a new act. Please welcome the last emperor of soul. And Banny is about to leave when Jimmy starts singing. What is, is this a song Sex Machine, I think? Sure, I think so. Uh, and the audience is enjoying it, especially Banning's fiance, Cheryl. So somewhere around here, somebody says nice rack again. I have that written oh, it down. It was James Brown. It was James Brown. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, do you think the last Emperor of Soul was supposed to be some kind of comment because... He's Chinese. Jimmy's Chinese and China's yeah. emperors. Okay. Yeah. That's not yeah, great. It's definitely. I mean, that was fine with that. I, mean, I that I didn't I didn't seemingly taste a event of it because... You had to come up with something. Yeah. So what did you think of Jimmy's performance? Yeah, it was enjoyable. It just went on too long. Yeah. I know that this comedy movies like to do this to have some kind of performance. At least they didn't have James Brown do the performance because that's something that those old movies used to do where it's like, and now here's James Brown and James <laughs> Brown does a song and the whole movie just stops. So this is better than that. I didn't love the twerking. <laughs> I will say twerking that. Or twerking was a thing back in 2002. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what you would call it then. Butt dancing. Yeah, no, that was that was unnecessary. Actually, they would probably call it shaking your booty. Yeah, it was probably in you know shake your booty mode. Yeah, there you go. Okay, so here's the question. Here's yeah. the question, Christian. Okay, <laughs> and I don't remember. Maybe he maybe it's explained in the movie. Did the tuxedo have singing mode, or can Jimmy just sing? I think maybe Jimmy can just sing. I don't know. We don't see him activate anything. Because I was like, how would the tuxedo give him the ability to sing? Well, it would augment his vocal cords with tiny little lasers. I have no idea. <laughs> or, or it's like auto-tune before auto-tune existed. It could be, yeah. I mean, you if know? he can defy gravity, uh, yeah. Uh, Anything's possible. <laughs> <laughs> so the point is they have to get to Banning's table, which yep. I don't know why Jimmy had to sing in order for them to get to Banning's table. They didn't, but Banning would have left uh -huh. if there was no entertainment. Because Banning loves James Brown, damn it. No, but basically, if there's no entertainment, you saw him about to leave, basically. Yeah, he always looks bored. Yeah, so they had to make sure he stayed there, and that's why they went through all that whole thing. Mm -hmm. So after the show, yeah, Del Blaine is encouraging Jimmy. Oh, here's the question. So he's in, yeah, to get them to the table, but it seems like he's encouraging Jimmy to seduce Banning's fiance. Which one? Um, Banning? So Del Blaine seems like she's in, like, when they're trying to get to the table, uh -huh. saying, you know, use her to get to Banning. Uh -huh. And then later on, we'll get yeah. to it. Yeah, she's like, no, why, what do you need to do to get, why are you trying to get, you know, information from her? So it's, 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 a, it's a... It's a little confusing. Yeah. Anyways, we also have here that the tuxedo has an automatic cigarette lighter. Anytime <laughs> there's a cigarette near it, it will, like, bring out a lighter from a sleeve and light it. Are you talking yeah. about something out of time? Though, I wanted there to be even more stuff the tuxedo did. Like, <laughs> to me, there's no limit on how much the tuxedo should be able to do. It should be able to do so much mm -hmm. and more. Uh, Cheryl and Jimmy Mambo. And Jimmy's trying to get more info out of Cheryl. In the meantime, Del Blaine is trying to seduce Manning mm -hmm. by appealing to his scientific nature, his obsession with water, and say, you know, identifies what year it's from, who the bottler is, you know, at a hint of vinyl polychloride. Yeah. And I, I gotta say, I thought August to winter being obsessed with weather was stupid. <laughs> this is much worse. Yeah, yeah, it's also vinyl or polychloride in the news right now, because that's part of what uh, exploded over Ohio. Mm. 
Wow, that's uh, timely. Right? <laughs> accidentally reveals where his lab is to Del Blaine. And as, as they're about to, you know, take things further, one of Benning's goon reveals that they're CSA. So Benning mm-hmm. leaves, but then she also gives Cheryl the key to the hospitality suite. So she's like propositioning Jimmy, basically. Yeah. So, yeah, Cheryl gives Jimmy the hint very loudly, says what uh, room number she will be in. So Jimmy thinks that he can get her to talk. Del Blaine is going to cover him by the pool. Mm-hmm. So Cheryl is getting the bath ready. Jimmy gives her a foot massage and is trying to ask about Walter Strider. <laughs> yeah, he still hasn't given up on that. Well, I mean, hey, it was his not quite dying words, but, you know, last words before he was knocked out. Yeah, but suffice to say, I think the audience has kind of stopped caring. At least this audience of one has. <laughs> so he goes to make martinis. Cheryl is very aggressive. She has a bug pin that's holding up, you know, her dress. Yeah, so so problematic. She has a quote, I adore it when it's rough. Oh, no. oh sorry, I'm sorry. I adore romance when it's rough. There it is. Okay, yeah. I was like, you know, whatever you, you know, don't kink shame. <laughs> Okay, fine. It's it's uh it's all <sighs> anyway. Yeah, so Cheryl gets his clothes off, and as Del Blaine is watching the camera, she gets surprised by an attacker, falls into a pool. Jimmy mm-hmm. is trying to fend off Cheryl and convinces her to start the bath with lots of bubbles. Right. And as soon as she leaves to go into the bathroom, goons kick open the door. He's trying to get the pants on, and he activates pants only defense. So this was interesting. I liked this. He's like rolling around trying to get the pants off and you can see and have an idea of what the pants are supposed to be doing but aren't doing the entire way because his legs aren't in the pants. Yeah, it's really quite nice in these Jackie Chan movies that they mix up the fights. Mm-hmm. And keep it interesting. Yep. I was also curious to see how Jimmy would be able to handle himself without the suit. Like yeah. in Iron Man or other superhero movies when our hero doesn't have their equipment. Right. So he's rolling around, and like all the goons are kind of confusing. What is he doing? Finally, uh-huh. gets the pants on, and manages you know, to knock out a bunch of them, and then throws a guy over the balcony into the pool to help Del Blaine. Right. Yeah, this was pretty wild. Where she's like fighting in the pool, and he's about to drown her. That was so scary. But so they escape, and uh, they get to. I have no idea where this was supposed to be. Where they where she's he's patching up her knee. The trope is they go, to, you know, they break into a vet's office. I'm just going to say that that's what it is happening here, even though they really shouldn't need to because they're deputized CSA agents yeah, and right. have their own places to. You would heal. think so, but anyway. So he's patching up a knee. They're having this discussion about how Del Blaine, you know, is you know a robot and can't read emotions. Oh my god, dude. Okay, can we talk about this, please? Yes, oh no, definitely. This is terrible. And this whole thing about that's why you don't have a boyfriend. I'm saying, oh god. Yeah. Come on. Come on. Like I said, this movie, just nine 90s to 2000 sexism. It's just no. all over it. But it's worse than that because, look, Jackie Chan is supposed to be nice. He's the nice guy. And when he's funny, it's usually funny more for physical comedy, right? Like him falling down and getting hurt, making uh-huh. a funny face. So him being mean to Dell just made me so sad. Yeah. <laughs> it like just <laughs> broke my heart. I couldn't take it. And then him, her being mean to him back wasn't a whole lot better. Mm. But, but just saying, like, this is why I don't have a boyfriend is so mean. Yeah. 
it's way worse, I think. I have a note, oh my gosh, is this movie worse than Avengers? <laughs> uh, I don't think so, but that, that's, you know, that was preview. Yeah. Yeah. Because anyway. I mean, at least this movie has Jackie Chan stunts. Avengers yeah. did not have We'll, we'll talk about it more later, but okay. uh, this scene made me very unhappy. Yeah, no, it, it was not great, but she does reveal that she knows where the lab is. Because he apparently says, you know, if I can't sleep at night, I, you know, I go down to my lab. So the lab mm-hmm. is on his property. Also, this is where she reveals her first name is Delilah. Right. So we go back to CSA headquarters where Stina is reviewing the camera footage from the lapel um, flower camera and re- realizes. So at there's a point where um, Cheryl threw his jacket onto a chair. So uh, Jimmy's face is visible in the camera. And realize it's Jimmy that he's the driver. <laughs> Which is, I was glad that they finally figured that out. Yeah. Says it in a very new, I like, Stina has super New York accent. It's the driver. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't know, was that New York? I don't know. Not really, was, but you tried. Which I appreciate. <laughs> yeah, you know what that sounded like? It sounded like o- Omega. <laughs> oh, Omega from the Bad Batch. So, yeah. Rekka. Hmm. Anyways, let's not talk about the Bad Batch. Let's talk about the tuxedo. Right. So at Banning's house, they're having a big party for the product launch, which is how they're planning to sneak in. Jimmy, this time, doesn't try to bribe the guy, um, the bouncer, but yeah. gets another attendee's ticket, uses a scanner inside of his the tuxedo to scan the ticket. And I like how it prints up with into the, t- the pocket. <laughs> yeah. I enjoyed it. That was fun. I was like, okay, that's a fun gadget. Though I do think it's funny that they just went from one fancy party to another fancy party. Let's have a little bit of variety. They've got to ha- have a premise for him wearing a tuxedo all the time. <laughs> that's, that's true. But yeah, so they are... I like this trope, though, of the we will dance, and as we're dancing, we will use it as a cover to spot out security. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we've seen that in slightly more serious spy movies as well. Yeah. Yeah. Like Agent Carter, I think, is one. Oh, yeah, yeah. So they spot some goons carrying some fancy equipment, so they go to follow them. And this is another trip that, that the, you know, the mansion has, like, a garden maze. Yes. And then I like the swimming pool entrance, though. That's pretty yeah, sweet. So they find a pool, that, and I like that Jimmy is walking on water, which, uh-huh. you know, is some foreshadowing. Oh, because it's water? Well, because of a water strider. Water Strider, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Don't they set it up where Dell's like he's just a person? It's not like he walks on water or anything. No, what it is is well, let me guess the great the great Clark Devlin can't figure out where they went, and then he like Jimmy's looking at the water, and he steps out into the pool. Is it? But apparently he can walk on water. Oh yeah, yeah, so something like that. Some yeah. Jesus joke. <laughs> yeah. So I like this though. The diving board uh, is the activation for the lab. Mm-hmm for the door to the lab and it like parts right between Jimmy's legs so he has he's so he has to keep spreading his legs as the doors keep widening and then he classic Jackie Chan yeah they go through the lab they see a collection of bugs uh, where at which point Jimmy says oh Mr. Devil likes bugs too which I, I do like uh Blaine's mm. oh is it what is it sometimes I like to refer to myself in third person Del Blaine thinks you're a freak Oh, man. Another very unfunny and mean comment. I don't know. I I like that part. part. (laughs) 
right. So they see some goons. Oh, here's the name of the mad scientist, Dr. Sims. Yeah, very memorable name, to be sure. You know who he reminded me of? Like every scientist? Well, specifically, he reminded me of the mad scientist from Despicable Me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I haven't seen that. Yeah. yeah, uh. I thought you were going to say from Spy Kids. Which one? No, I guess there isn't really a guy like that in Spy Kids. No. Uh, at least not in the one, the first one, no. Nope. But he reminds me of the. He sounds like him and looks like him. But yeah, listeners, if you've you've seen both this fran- this movie and that franchise, let me know if I'm if I'm right or if it's just me. Hmm. Doctor Sims is telling the goons to clean up, and the goons are having you know this conversation about you know, what if this doesn't work? Oh well, you have to make sure they follow the queen. And then at oh. which point there's a gay joke. Which yeah, is not- I, I just I just write wow. Yeah. Wow. Even for the 2000s, that was kind of shitty. So they're looking around the lab. Apparently, Banning's got, you know, maps of all the national reservoirs. They check out the computer, which is really what the first thing they should have done. (laughs) Yeah. But someone spots him. And so they look at the computer, and apparently they figure it out. So it's dehydrating water, but Delblade's trying to figure out, wait, how will he introduce it into the water supply? Um, you know, any, and he, she says, anytime the surface tension of the one of those uh, reservoirs breaks, their alarms will go off. Which I wanted to fact check, but I couldn't find anything about. So they notice that the goons are coming after them, so they activate camouflage mode, <laughs> which is basically like the invisible car from Die Another Day. Yeah, or active camouflage and many other science fiction. Oh, yeah, like uh, Predator, yeah. Right. That was like, uh, that, uh, it's, it's, it's almost to the point of anti-gravity, but not quite for me. I was like, I was okay with it because they only use it in one instance. Yeah. More more stuff. More tuxedo stuff. So they go back to the party and, you know, Blaine's still trying to work through how they would, you know, introduce the water to the water supply. Mm-hmm. And Jimmy is about to tell her the truth when Del Blaine calls, gets a call from Stina, tells Jimmy, can we go be alone somewhere? So... They go into a, the men's bathroom, and she demands that he take off the tuxedo. Right. So again, so so she's like, if she knew the whole time that he wasn't Devlin, why did she wait till this exact moment? I don't think she knew that he wasn't Devlin. Oh, you think she was just covering? Yeah. She says, you know, I I knew there was something suspicious, or she says suspicious, but uh-huh. I think she's just yeah, she's just covering. But here's the big question. Mm-hmm. Actually, I mean, it comes to it later, but she's seemingly she's told to take the tuxedo. Does she know about the tuxedo? What is it? What it does? Because in about five minutes, she's about to offer it to Banning as proof of her loyalty. If she's making Jimmy take it off, yeah. she knows there's something up with that, and maybe she didn't know it at first, but figured it out gradually over the course of the movie. No. No, some, no, some dialogue here might have been useful for clearing it up. Like she was like, you fall off a building and you survive. Unless you have superpowers, that tuxedo has something going on with that. Yeah. Right? No, maybe, but maybe, maybe, but it, it, it jumps abruptly from she doesn't know that the tuxedo does anything to suddenly she knows that it's the most groundbreaking piece of technology ever. Well, can you remind me what, what evidence has brought your theory that she doesn't know that the tuxedo is special? The f- all the all of her freaking well, out. Her not being able to oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. all the things, yeah. All and right. also freaking out when, you know, the self-defense mode activates. It's stupid, I agree. <laughs> yeah. 
uh, he explains that he's the driver um, and that he was sort of just going with the flow. Del Blaine basically immediately after she leaves the bathroom gets caught by Banning's goons and is brought to Banning. Mm-hmm. And my notes here, I have to do, does she know about the Tuxedo's features? Because she says, you know, I'm giving you this tux as proof of my loyalty, basically. But and as she does so, she also activates a tracking signal in her necklace, which is okay. That's so she's stalling for time right now. Yeah, she has gadgets too. It's not just yeah. Jimmy. Mm-hmm. And CSA gets her signal, and apparently it'll take them twenty minutes to get there. You know what okay. they say when seconds count? The CSA is twenty minutes away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, somehow in that time, Jimmy has gone back to Delvin's house already. Yeah. So, th- so again, this was interesting. I was like, okay, he doesn't have the tuxedo, yeah. so what's he going to do? Like, how's he going to survive? Is his mm-hmm. driving skills, is his crazy driving skills, are those going to come back mm-hmm. to save the day? No. He's yeah. just going to get another, like, not as good version of the tuxedo <laughs> and use that instead. Yeah. Well, before he does that, he is writing an apology to Devlin and saying, I'm sorry, I couldn't find Walter Strider. And then mm-hmm. he's his water glass on, you know, his note and is trying to wipe it up. And then he sees the water, and then it goes over the you know drawing of the bug, and he realizes Walter Strider, Water Strider, and he like puts the pen, his pen over the L when his in his note that says Water Walter Strider is Water Strider. Oh, that's it. <laughs> so did he not know what a Water Strider was? Uh, apparently he did. He just never it never occurred to him. Oh. That's kind of stupid, then. Again, Whatever. I'm going to ask you, did, when you heard the name Walter Strider at first, did you think Water Strider immediately? Okay, yeah, we went over this already. And the so. answer was no. Oh, so. We need to go through it again, yeah. <laughs> Banning is showing off his Water Strider larvae to Del Blaine. Mm-hmm. And Del Blaine figures out Banning's plan, which is now we can talk about the plan. Okay, well, I don't have too much more to say about the plan, except that it's kind of stupid. So, okay, so yeah. the idea is he's going to poison all the water on the planet, mm-hmm. except for the bottled water that he sells. So yes. that the idea is, like, the government wouldn't be able to put two and two together and figure out that he caused it, arrest no. him, <laughs> seize his a- assets, put him in jail, and then he's figure out... Just world domination. I'm saying August to Winter's plan, yeah, I'm bringing him back. Okay. He's way smarter in comparison, because there's no subterfuge involved. <laughs> <laughs> he just seizes power and imposes his will on the world by force. Is there subterfuge here? If there is no subterfuge, then it doesn't make any sense, because, as I mentioned, all the water is poisoned except for his. Yeah. You think people wouldn't figure it out that you caused it? If, if they did, sure. But at that point, he will have all of the water. So no, uh-huh. no matter if he caused it or not, people will still need the water. So it's like a Mad Max type thing where he rules over the cinder after the Earth collapses? Pretty much, seemingly. Well, then that's kind of stupid, too. Oh, no, I'm not, I'm not defending that it's that it's not <laughs> stupid, but I'm just saying that I don't think there's any subterfuge that he needs to do to say, I, you know, uh-huh. yeah, he will just okay. own all the water. Well, in that case, I'm surprised that all of his minions are willing to go along with, like, ending the planet. Yeah, I mean, if they, he pays them well enough and gives them water, I think they'd be fine. Mm. That's one of those things that we, we you can't you really can't talk, think too much about where these goons come from or how he got them because then you just you fall into the Austin Powers thing. Yeah, yeah, the classic goon problem. I, I get it. Del Blaine is saying that it won't work, and which gets Doctor Sims upset. Del Blaine explains that the reason why it won't work is because the the Water Striders uh, life cycle begins with mating, so immediately they swarm to fresh water. 
but these are southern hemisphere bugs and it's too cold because they are in the northern hemisphere and they won't mate and won't seek out water. Wow, she is smart. Remember that audience? So in the interest of trying to buy more time until CSA shows up, she convinces Banning to wear the tuxedo as a ploy to trust, get her to trust him. Get him to trust her, yeah. Right. This yeah. was interesting, I will say. The bad guy, even though it's kind of predictable, it still was like, ooh, I'm kind of curious to see what's going to happen. Yeah. So Jimmy is packing up and sees a suit in his closet with a note that says, you know, the other 10% is up to you. Jimmy returns to Banning's mansion, you know, wearing a trench coat. The same trench coat he was probably wearing when he, which he wore over the tuxedo in the park. Right. Oh, there you go. There's another reason why he probably looks super suspicious. Is you know he's a guy in a trench coat who's making you know passes oh, and women. Oh, remarks in the park. to women. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's a good point. I forgot about uh-huh. the trench coat. Yeah. Anyways, back to now. Banning tries on the tuxedo, puts it correctly into demo mode, does a bunch of backflips and backhand springs. <laughs> yeah. Asks Del Blaine, wait, why are you doing this? What, what is in it for you? And then Del Blaine makes a big speech thinking that this you know, CSA SWAT team is there to capture him. Haha, just like, I deceived you. <laughs> it's just the goons bringing in Jimmy. Yep. They activate the larva. Banning has Jimmy on his back, but Jimmy manages to fight him off and takes off the trench coat. And he's wearing a new not suit. a tuxedo, but a, a nice suit. Mm-hmm. Like a gray suit, and they have a suit fight. So, what do you feel about this set for this big evil bad guy lair? I thought it was very generic. It looked like again, like say on the Spy Kids. <laughs> yeah. So the larvae hits a hundred percent maturity. Del Blaine manages to sabotage the auto hatch release, mm-hmm. which then here it came back auto grav mode. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, Banning uses auto grav mode or anti-grav mode to activate the manual hatch release and Jimmy chases him up. Banning manages to open it and all of them get released but the Queen has not been released yet. So yeah, there was some actually decent good of like, oh no! Okay. Oh no! Alright. You know, there's one more chance to save the day. So the Striders are waiting for the Queen to figure out what direction they should go in. Mm -hmm. Banning, you know, manages to Darth Vader choke both Del Blaine and Jimmy, you know, with one of them in each hand. That's great. And I like, so, the cigarette lighter comes back because Jimmy is struggling and manages to grab a cigarette from Banning's pocket, puts it in Del Blaine's mouth. The the auto-cigarette lighter in the tuxedo activates. Seemingly, there's not an auto-cigarette lighter in his suit. In Jimmy's suit, yeah. Well, obviously it's an inferior version. True. But he, you know, once the cigarette lighter is activated, Jimmy gets free. He fights off Banning and manages to get him knocked out by mild exposure to the dehydrating water. First of all, I thought it was kind of funny that smoking saves the day. That's a little <laughs> It is, yeah. I liked how Jimmy's knowledge of what the tuxedo could do allows him to turn the tables. Yeah. That, that was way too clever for this movie. yeah so they realize they need to get the queen to make sure that it doesn't you know go somewhere so they grab it and they're chased by the goons and end up dropping you know the case that the queen is in which shatters and the queen is released and it lands on del blaine so jimmy grabs a shot glass and uses it to keep pushes that against Del Blaine's skin to make sure that you know the, <laughs> yeah. it doesn't escape. And I like this. He's fighting while 
holding the shot glass against her to make sure it doesn't escape and moving it mm-hmm. and managed to, you know, fight off the goons while that happens. The moves were cool. I didn't find it especially funny, especially uh-huh. when she's just standing there like, oh, no. Oh, no. She's just an analyst. She's not a field agent. <laughs> oh, no way, dude. It's been established that she knows how to fight way that's earlier. True. Don't give me any of that. All right. All right. That's fair. But does she know how to fight, you know, with the glass on her face? <laughs> well, not just glass, but keeping a you know, an insect that you can't have escape. You know, I don't think that's in the textbook. <laughs> so Banning manages to wake up and he like just says, ow. <laughs> and as he does, he starts to run towards them. Jimmy throws the shot glass with the queen inside of it into Banning's mouth. And all the str- water striders swarm to him and dehydrate him entirely. A gruesome death, hoisted on his yeah. own petard, as it should be. CSA commandos finally arrive. They arrest everybody. Then, what's his name? Chalmers is there. He wants to basically just give Jimmy a bureaucratic pat on the back as, and take all the credit. <laughs> oh, yeah, to get back at some of the other agents, uh, who I think one of whom punched out Jimmy. She activates herself to see Tuxedo's self-defense mode to take out some of the CSA guys. Yeah, more violent comedy is my my note. And Jimmy says, "Well, okay, you know, I don't I don't really need anything, but there is one thing you can do for me." Okay, so I have very mixed feelings about this part. You can describe yeah. it first, and yeah. then we can so, talk. About it. It's basically a CSI operation to get Jimmy a date with with uh, what's her name, Jennifer. Jennifer, Jennifer, yeah, yeah. shop girl at the art gallery. Mm-hmm. So I do like this part where they, you know, they take out all the people who would be obstructions, like the bike messenger and the hot dog vendor. Kyle Mockery. And I like that Devlin is like watching from a sniper perch. He doesn't have a gun. He has like a, you know, telephoto lens with a, <laughs> on a camera. Yep. Delblaine is trying to prep Jimmy. I, I'm so I like this idea that everyone sort of in his ears telling him what to do, mm-hmm. and he's getting overwhelmed. And like Delblaine even makes a comment, like, "What her? She's not that pretty." Well, she's like she's not as pretty as me, or something like that. No, she just says really. I, uh, she's not that pretty. That's what she oh, says. Okay. But I don't All think right. she says that as pretty. That's as the me. exact not... line. But it's implied. Yeah. <laughs> and Devlin's trying to feed him a line, and everyone's shouting each other over his ears. And so he's like saying, "Stop shouting in my ear, out loud." Yeah. And so he's saying, oh, "The voices are telling." So he's just starting to sound, sound crazy. And, and so he pulls out the earpiece and he says, "Do you remember me, Hooters?" Soul patch. That's yeah. where the Hooters comes back. <laughs> <laughs> well, so there is at least one payoff in this movie. Yeah. Jennifer thinks he's crazy, throws him out, basically says, Sorry, everyone. Well, she doesn't just throw him out, she threatens him with being maced. Oh, that's true. That's right, yeah. More violent comedy. But it doesn't seem to have hurt him too bad. No, I like this. So Devlin's, he's like, I'm sorry I blew it, everyone. And then they're, I thought everyone would be like, oh, we wasted all this time with it on this. But everyone's sort of like, all right, next time, Jimmy, don't worry about it, Jimmy. And I like to hear what Devlin says. You didn't blow it, you just outgrew her. Did he, though? Uh, no, <laughs> well. Okay, so, okay, so let's talk about this. So, so first of all, yes, all the CSA people getting together to help him ask out Jennifer is so adorable. Right. It's great. It's I way like better that. than the rest yeah. of this movie. That being said, I found it annoying that this guy has face down, armed thugs, gotten beaten up, thrown out of high places, and yet yeah. he hasn't. His character hasn't like changed <laughs> in this respect. I mean, he's a little more confident, but 
Yeah. Not really. <laughs> well, he was confident enough to go after Banning, but, you know, asking this girl out on a date is seemingly still beyond him. Okay, yes. Like, that's, that's a common trope, too, right? Both in yeah. real life and in movies, but in terms of character arc, characters changing, like in a movie which is what this is. I would have liked that better. How do you feel about if they had changed it where he asked Jennifer out and they go out and everything's just great? Would you uh, have preferred that? I feel like I would have preferred that. Uh, here's the thing. I, you know what I, it is? By the time that they filmed this, they still weren't sure or uh, whether or not they were trying to make a romantic interest between oh. Jimmy and Del Blaine because it sort of waffles back and forth between it. Yes. So the end of the movie implies that they are going to get together, but not... Hey, not really. I'm not sure if it does. It's it's super vague. Don't they walk out arm in arm? Yeah, but they just go for coffee. It's not necessarily... It's not like there's a big romantic kiss kind of thing. Well, that's what I liked about it, was that it was implied they're going to get together, but not everything needs to be in your face. No. no again, this is a movie. It's a visual right. medium. You don't need implied. You need you explicit. You need show, not tell. That's right. And this movie is not subtle in about yeah. anything. Yeah. No. Finish up what, what happens in the end. Um, yeah, Devlin says, all right, you know, take the weekend off. We'll go to Monte Carlo where, you know, somewhere where there's more prospects. And Del Blaine gives him a hard time. And this is where Jimmy, like, you know, gives her a... He really gives it back to her. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, like, why can't I talk around, you know, talk around beautiful women? You know, like a real knockout and is insulting her saying that she's yeah. not that. Right. Doesn't he say, again, this is why you don't have a boyfriend? Oh, yeah. Uh, well, he, let, me, let me get to it. So so she's upset, and then she said, what, you can't tell I, how I feel? And they go through the like the whole face-guessing game. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't say that she's upset because she's jealous. She says that no guy would ever do what he did for Jennifer. Uh-huh. And then she says, you know, would you like to go for coffee? And he says, no, I only drink organic tea. Is it? No, this is why you don't have a boyfriend. So they do that again, and then there's yeah. the, the the ending line is is that your happy face or your horny face? And he's like, I'll tell you later. Oh my it's god! Like, really? It's, it's a kinda... really really bad note to end the movie on. Yeah. Okay. So, but yeah, they walk off hand in hand, but it's vague, and for a movie that you like, that you like you said is not subtle whether they're actually getting together or not. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, I didn't really care but no, i didn't care either but it's just more of a like there's, yeah. that was a weird like usually in a movie like this uh-huh. like say like I mean, compared to the other you know spy comedies get that we've smart done, get, get smart, smart or um what's the other one the the spy who dumped me it's very clear that you know your main two are main character and your their potential love interests are together at the end of that movie yeah so can we agree that for once my rewrite of the movie would improve. I don't know. Well, so I—I I mean, I—I I do think it would be good to have him actually, yeah, get with the shop girl, or maybe you know, ask her out and then realize, wait, no, I'm actually—I I have outgrown her. I think would be the better rewrite. Like have her have him succeed, but then realize, wait, no, this is you know, I don't yeah. connect with you anymore. I've outgrown you. Let me go get together with Jennifer Love Hewitt. Yeah, or he's really smooth, he's really charming, but she still turns him down. Or she's just like, I'm, I'm yeah. a boyfriend or something yeah. like that. Yes, that, 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 I like that better. Yeah. Not, <laughs> uh, like, I, I still like the operation, all that thing, but I just, you, the, the, how that ends is just, yeah, it's not great. But what I did like 
mm-hmm. at the end of the movie was the outtakes. Oh, of course, this is a Jackie Chan movie. I, I actually wasn't expecting this. I was like, oh yeah, it's a Jackie Chan movie. Of course there's going to be outtakes. I mean, there weren't as many as, say, in your rush hours, or your Shanghai noon, Shanghai nights. Right. There were only a few that were, like, stunt-related outtakes. Mm-hmm. A lot of them were, like, him or uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt messing up lines. Yeah, but when Jennifer Love Hewitt messes up a line and then she starts laughing, ugh, it just melted my heart. <laughs> so, do you know why Jackie Chan does outtakes? No, I do not know why. Because of movies like Smoking the Bandit and Cannonball Run, mm-hmm. which you know, had outtakes, and he liked those movies and liked how they did that. So he, that, because of that, he likes to add them in in every movie he does. Nice. Well, he was in Cannonball Run. He was, yeah. In a very small role that was wasted because he's behind the wheel of a car. That's not where Jackie Chan belongs. I do know that he was in it, and I also know that Roger Moore is in it, so it's on my list of movies to watch. Well, I haven't seen it either, but I know that because I read a book which I'll talk about a little later, called Life and Films of Jackie Chan, and they talk about that. Okay, yeah. And also during the outtakes, he's also having a duet with James Brown. Yes. Which I thought was fun, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you got James Brown on set. You got, he's got to sing. Yeah, Come that's on. true. All right, shall we go into spy fact versus spy fiction? Uh, yeah, I can go first. Sure, what do so, you got? My one thing is from Far Out Magazine an article, The Street Fighting Songbird, Exploring Jackie Chan's Long-Running Music Career by Tom Taylor. Jackie Chan has produced over 20 different albums, singing over 100 songs in more than five languages. His first one was he created the theme song to the movie he starred in called The Young Master, so taking a page out of Will Smith's book, filled with parping horns, synthing guitars, and drums that inexplicably fall in and out of rhythm. Chandelier is the ultimate culminating chorus. I was born to be a kung fu, kung fu fighting man. Hmm. I right. presume that is not in English, though. I assume that's yeah. a translation. So his first solo studio album arrived in 1984 with the wonderfully titled album Love Me. He okay. sang songs like Movie Star and Jackie's Legend, featuring both English, Japanese, and Cantonese lyrics. Wow, mm-hmm. that's in... Do you pick that up? That's a mistake, Tom Taylor. Both English, what? Japanese, and Cantonese. Both is for two. Yeah, no, you're right. I didn't I didn't catch that, but yes, you are correct. Uh, they need an editor. <laughs> Skipping ahead a little bit, his last record was in 2018 as he delved into songs like Childhood Stories and No Longer Lost for a mm-hmm. record that couples spoken word with silken sung big band pieces. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so this isn't oh. me saying this. This is Tom okay. saying this. Quote, like an oriental Frank Sinatra. Hmm. What the fuck? This was written in 2022. No. Tom, you no. can't say that. Also, we don't use oriental anymore. Yeah, I know. Well, that's the problem, right? Uh, I mean, yeah. you can compare him to Frank Sinatra. That's yeah, fine. no, that's fine, but just no. Anyway, so the point is Jackie Chan has sings a lot. Right. Did he a sing lot, in lot. this movie, though? Oh, did he sing in this movie? Yes. Well, a story by Whitney Seabold on MSN. Jackie Chan had to master more than Kung Fu for the tuxedo. Oh. He did sing. It says, okay. in an interview with Crosswalk, Jackie discussed what parts were easy and which parts of playing the hardest working man in showbiz were so difficult. Singing lyrics was particularly difficult. Hmm. He said, direct quote from Jackie, doing the split is kind of easy. Singing for me right. is, oh, I'm not going to try. I'm going to actually, I'll. Make it so he doesn't sound like he has an accent. Singing for me, it is not difficult. I have my own album in Asia, but different kind of song. I sing like country songs. I like this kind of songs. 
So I guess the short answer is yes, yes. he did. Okay, cool. Learning all the English words to a song and dancing simultaneously, that was for the first time. Mm-hmm. So it took a lot of practice. So what I've got, so I did, I also heard that story about the dropout or no, who's, what, uh, or, or. Oh, Rooster Teeth. Rooster Teeth, thank you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so there is actually a podcast where they cover as their uh, live bidding on the tux- uh, tuxedo. It is, <laughs> the podcast is called F, you know, star, star, K, face. Uh-huh. Uh, and it, the episode is the tuxedo auction. Uh, doesn't say what the date is on it, but it's apparently only 15 minutes long. So the tuxedo was on auction from Prop Store Auction. Mm-hmm. On June 23rd, 2022, so presumably that's when the episode was also recorded. It was part of an entertainment memorabilia live auction in Los Angeles. Uh, this was lot 1399, the tuxedo, Jimmy Tong's tuxedo costume. Apparently it's missing several buttons on the sleeves and the shirt exhibits wear, including a pair of harness holes on the sides by the waist, presumably for wire work. Sweet. <laughs> I have not listened to this podcast, but I, I forget who told me. Someone else told me that basically they got it and they're like, well... Now what do we do with it? Obviously, you put it on display, just like <laughs> Clark Devlin did. Yeah. Also, I have notes. So that was from the, yeah, the, their podcast and also the Prop Store Auction website. I have notes on the Water Strider. So <laughs> the specific Water Strider species that she mentioned, the Jerus marginatus, is a species of Water Strider. It's found in Central, North, and South America, so it is not a Southern Hemisphere specifically. Hmm, maybe she was bluffing. Yeah. The entire family of water um, striders are from the Geridae family of in the order Hemiptera, commonly known as water striders, water skeeters, water scooters, water bugs, pond skaters, wa- water skippers, or water skimmers. I love water scooters. Yeah. They don't have a queen structure, so that is entirely fictional. <laughs> okay, thank you. Yeah, at least according to Wikipedia, they do not. Hmm. I was trying to read this to figure out if their their life cycle actually started, you know, with them once they were adults seeking out water. It doesn't seem to be the case. Mm-hmm. You've definitely done more research than the people who made the movie. Yeah, they just they at least apparently knew that water striders could walk on water, and that's about it. And they googled, all right, what's their genus name or their species name? <laughs> yeah. All right, so that's what I got. A water striders. I did. So the card that uh, Stina gives. Um, Jimmy for Devlin's address. Not a real place. There is no... No Fleming so Drive. 60, no, that Fleming, Fleming Drive was her apartment or her building oh, okay. or whatever. His house was at 61 Blue Heron Way, Heathstead LI, which I presumed was Long Island. I would also presume that, yeah. Uh, there is Heathstead in Long Island. There is also no Blue Heron Way in Long Island. Okay. The symptoms that Del Blaine brings up as signs for dehydration with your pulmonary vein and your collapsed platelets. I was curious about this, so I looked it up. And on study.com, there was a question, can dehydration cause elevated platelets? And what they say is basically, yeah, yes. Yes, they can. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the sniper rifle, they which they call the Kleinholz rifle, not a real rifle. I was curious, but so I looked it out on IMFDB or the Internet Movie Firearms Database. All right, nice. Modified Stair LG100 air rifle. Mm-hmm. But there's no such thing as a Kleinholz rifle. Lastly, 
when Jimmy knocks out James Brown, he says, Miss Cleo told me something like this would happen, which uh-huh. is a dated reference for anyone who was not who was born after, what, you know, 1990-something. Right. So Miss Cleo, otherwise known as Yuri Del Harris, was a television American television personality and actress best known uh, as a spokeswoman for a psychic pay per per call minute service called Psychic Readers Network in a series of television commercials that aired from 1997 to 2003. So did she have some connection to James Brown? No, but the fact that... It's just a throwaway line, a reference to the times, even though she she only did that for about another year after this movie came out. But yes, do you remember Miss Cleo? Yeah, totally. (laughs) Though I gotta say, it's so great that we've evolved as humans since then. We don't believe in anti-science things like psychics anymore uh, that's really uh, nice uh-huh. yep <laughs> well that's what i got for fit for spy fact versus fiction all right so next we have our favorite quotes why don't you go first because i have a few okay i've got i've got a few as well i got not everyone chinese is bruce lee mm, that's true that's a good point and uh jimmy's co-worker asked him, well i thought you all your people knew karate or something hmm I like from Devlin, you're the head of an intelligence agency. Why don't you be intelligent? Yeah, that, that's kind of like that. We're a spy agency. Go spy on somebody or whatever yeah. from Oregon. I also like uh, Jimmy when he, you know, he's you know on his back being, getting beat up by Banning uh, and he says, you know, the great Clark Devlin is nothing more than an ordinary man. And he says, the name's Tong, James Tong. <laughs> Hmm, that, that's that goes by James. That's how you know it's serious. Yeah. Also, uh, this is the last one I got. So, this is the moment where 50 CSA commando stormen take you, your pretentious accent, your jackass sideburns, to the federal pen where they guess what? All they serve is highly chlorinated tap water. Hmm, that's how you really get them. You know, I had sideburns for a long time, so that cut deep. <laughs> Apparently, it's not a good luck. Uh, depends. What do you got? Okay, so I like in the beginning when Colin from Colin Mockery says, just ask her out. That way she can say no and we can all get on with our little lives. (laughs) That was amazing. Uh, When his friend, his great friend, Jimmy's co-worker buddy, when he says, I should jam this up your ass and break it off or something like that. (laughs) So that guy was great. I don't know why he didn't stick around. Delilah says, I am never working with him again. The way she says it is funnier and in context, but definitely my favorite line by far is from Cheryl where she says, singing is my favorite type of music. (laughs) I laughed a lot when she said that. That was great. Uh, All right. So now it's time for our ratings on a scale of one to 10 martinis, one being Avengers 1997 and 10 being even better than Taken or No Time to Die. How would we rate the tuxedo? I want to get your reading on this, so go ahead. <laughs> I didn't know anything about this movie. And okay. when I brought it up on Voodoo to watch yeah. it, I saw the Rotten Tomatoes rating, uh, like 28%. So uh, I was <laughs> braced for it to be bad. Yeah. Okay, so here's some thoughts. The, yeah. the villain, as I mentioned, is awful. All right. <laughs> He's yeah, the sure. worst villain. The characters, it's kind of like Get Smart. So do you remember in Get Smart where we had a lot of arguing about, I wanted the characters to be brought up to the next level. I wanted to understand why Steve Carell wanted to be a field agent. Right, that whole thing, And they yeah. never explained it, and you were like, just get over it. Yep. <laughs> okay, so that, that was like this here, where I love Jackie Chan, I love mm-hmm. Jennifer Love Hewitt. Just give me something a little bit better than this. Yeah, okay, um, yeah. So 
it's not as bad as Avengers 1997. Because, <laughs> yeah. and, which is interesting, because usually bad comedy is worse than bad drama. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give it a 3 out of 10, because it okay. is quite bad. But Jackie and Jennifer help a lot. If it wasn't for them, I would probably give it much lower than that. So I, like I said, I saw this when it came out of theaters. I remember enjoying it, but I don't, don't, you know, I didn't remember, I vaguely recalled something about, actually, I don't think I even remember that the thought was water. What I remembered was, okay, the suit and all the stunts and stuff. And, you know, I enjoyed that part of the movie, you know, all the stunts he does again, but there are other movies we can watch Jackie Chan do cool stunts and there are many other movies. There's even another movie where he's a spy, there's probably quite a few if you go back yeah. to his Hong Kong era. Yeah. So the sexism that's rampant throughout this movie, I just like mm-hmm. I cringed each time it came up. I was like, oh no, more of more, really? Why? <laughs> and like the the like this was definitely aimed at teenage boys with how much they talk about breasts. Well, I think we've talked about this before with other movies, but there's a quote by some reviewer uh, talking yeah. about Cutthroat Island starring uh, Gina from The Long Kiss Goodnight. Gina Davis. Gina Davis. And he says, this movie has too much adult content for small children, but it's too stupid to be enjoyed by adults. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I I think I'm going to give it a three as well, because I just, yeah, it was... And, you know, I'm, I usually try to be more positive. Like, the reason I'm giving it a three is mostly because of Jackie Chan's stunt work and mm-hmm. all of, you know, that, that spy, f- that fun. But, yeah, the plot was... I mean, it, it was like your your James Bond, average James Bond plot. Right. Well, worse than your average James Bond plot in terms of... Well, funnily enough, there is a James Bond plot that has to do with water and does, does with it in a much more serious way. It's Quantum Solace. Oh, God, Quantum Solace. Well, I also should say, and one of the reviewers mentioned this around Tomatoes, where they were like, the premise is great. Hmm? Oh, yeah, that, that, that idea of a tuxedo that would transform you into a super, you know, a super spy. Great. Yeah. But the story around it and the, just the rampant... 90s 2000 sexism just torpedoed it for me well, not just the sexism but like the mean-spirited insult kind of comedy between the yeah, two see, leads that was like fine that. with me i i was okay with that but just mm-hmm. the, yeah the sexism was what killed it for me also as i mentioned i wanted to see the tuxedo do more stuff <laughs> i wanted to see it turn into a wingsuit obviously didn't have the budget for that <laughs> or, or whatever but didn't they do that in spies in disguise yeah, that's why it's great. I like Spies in Disguise. <laughs> Did you? I remember. I seem to remember a lot of arguing about that. But, Compared to you know. this, it's a masterpiece. Oh yes, definitely, definitely. Um, All right. Anything else right. you we want to discuss? No. Um, I don't think so. No, that's about it for me. All right. Well, thank you all for joining us. You can find us on social media at the Spy Fi Guys on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Until next time, I'm Zach, and I'm Christian. And we are the Spy Fi Guys, signing off. Thank you for listening to the Spy Fi Guys. If you enjoyed our podcast, please be sure to give us a five-star rating on iTunes. The theme song from this podcast is Mistake the Getaway by Kevin MacLeod from Incompetech.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. Films, books, and television shows reviewed by our podcast are the intellectual property of their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. 
This is a personal podcast. Any views, statements, or opinions expressed in this podcast are personal and belong solely to the participants. They do not represent those of people, institutions, or organizations that the participants may or may not be associated with in a professional or personal capacity unless explicitly stated. Any views or opinions are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, or individual. You can find our podcast on social media at The Spy Fi Guys on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.